All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Oilers Nation Radio, episode 86. Here we are, it's friendly neighborhood bag milk. I've got Tyler Uremchuk manning the board. I've got the nation Dan looking confused on FaceTime. And I've got Rick here. And your hair, my friend, is looking fresh these days. Thanks, buddy. I'm, uh, yeah, we're getting, uh, we're getting some good length of this right now. I don't know, quite know what to do with it. But I do uh, enjoy running my hands through it. I bet. It looks very soft. It does, uh, actually. As always, I want to start off the podcast by giving a shout out to our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant in beautiful Sherwood Park, Alberta. Go ahead and follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant. If you do have any issues during this time, be it with finance on your Ford vehicle or with repairs or you're looking for a new whip, our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant are there for you. Uh, today, we are starting off the podcast a couple of minutes early. For you, the listener, you would have no idea because Tyler... <laughs> is very excited about the snowbirds flying overhead, so we needed to get going. Listen, if this podcast is not done by 2 o'clock and I miss the snowbirds, I'm going to fucking flip. What's the, what's the deal anyway? Like, Are they just doing a tour over the city? How do I know if I get to see them or not? I don't know. I don't care, but I have very little to look forward to in this quarantine life, and watching those planes <laughs> for eight seconds will give me great joy. Which There's like a map. There's a map you can look on. They come down to the north of the city, and then they're going to go across the river valley and down the river valley, come back east, and then south. I heard that at 2.05, they'll be crossing through Mournville. And since I'm in like the north side of St. Albert, I, I need to be ready to go by 2.05. Well, I'm looking at this here, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to see the snowbirds. And this is very upsetting to me, because if I'm starting this early... Dude, we're all going to be able to see it. 
Well, I hope so. There's like it's nothing in so the long. sky. There's no clouds. It's a gorgeous day outside. And you can see fucking forever. Well, so boys, we need to get to action here because the snowbirds, <laughs> they wait for no man. The snowbirds wait so, for no man. Title of the podcast. Like tea, like tea time. Tea time also waits for no man. Uh, what did you say, Tyler? I like that title. Snowbirds, the snowbirds wait for wait no man. For no man. <laughs> this is how we workshop a podcast. <laughs> mid-podcast. Hell yeah. All right. So today, a little bit of Oilers news. Uh, former friend, former Edmonton Oiler, Alish Hemsky officially <laughs> retired today. I personally, I thought he was retired a couple years ago. I didn't know that he was not officially, officially, officially retired, but apparently that happened today. I guess uh, Cam Lewis covered it on OilersNation.com. I guess Hemsky was actually hoping that he would be able to play a couple of years in Europe, but the concussion issues he suffered in Montreal did not succeed, so that was off the table. Gentlemen, I just kind of want to talk about number 83 and his time here with the Oilers. What is your favorite or most memorable Alish Hemsky moment? The Nation Dan. When you're thinking Hemsky, uh, what are you thinking? I, he's, he's one of those guys that like, he was like he like defined the two thousands for the Oilers, right? A lot of promise, a lot of excitement, and a lot of hope, and not a lot of finish there. <laughs> um, but uh, and he was always one of those guys that you, you like you begged him to shoot more and pa- pass less, all that kind of stuff. But my my probably my favorite memory of Hemsky was uh, was the Detroit series. He, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen in that game six, but but. Uh, his the way that they finished off the Detroit Red Wings with Hemsky scoring that goal, standing in the crease. It was just, it was, I don't know. He's he's one of those guys that, yeah, like I said, he defined. He for me, he defined the two thousand six or the two thousand Oilers, and uh, and his passing was just far none the best on that team at that time. Rick, you're thinking Hemsky. What are you thinking? Uh, just the relentless fight that he used to have to get in through with uh, Regeer and anybody else all the time that, you know, it didn't matter who it was in front of him or what they did to him. He was getting back up and he was, uh, he was getting back into the game. And for a guy of his size and, you know, like, uh, media always gave him shit for being the last guy on and the first guy off for practice and stuff like that. And tried to, I think, paint him with a, with a brush of some sort by saying that, but uh, you saw what he did on the ice and in that 60 minutes when he was playing, that you, for a guy his size to get back up and take the beatings he did, that is what it is to, to be an oiler back then. Tyler, Mr. Hamsky, what yeah, do you think? With, Dan said it, without a doubt, the, the, the best moment of his Oilers career is 06. Game 6, 06, uh, that goal he scored... I love watching that highlight, man. If there's one Oilers game I could go back and continually watch highlights of... It's game six and 06, and it's in large part because of Hemsky. And I love that moment in the call. Now I'm forgetting who the color guy is, who he goes, like, the nerve of this kid. Because he's just, it's game <laughs> six. It's a huge moment, and he's dangling guys in the neutral zone. Like, he was, him and George LaRock were my first two favorite Oilers. They were the two Oilers that I remember, like, absolutely falling in love with early in my fandom. Uh, so, I mean, he's essentially been retired for a while, and the concussion stuff is unfortunate. And I also liked what you said about him kind of personifying those 2000, those, you know, early 2000s Oilers where he had so much promise. And it's, it's a damn shame that he never got to play on a better Oilers team because if they he could have had a, the pa- 
He scored the Patrick Steffen goal too, didn't he? He did. He, he also sure scored the Patrick did. Steffen yeah, goal. Yeah, he finished that one off, yeah. So I was going to say that. My favorite moment was the Patrick Steffen one. Sorry, go ahead, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, like, he was a lot of the good moments when you think about those dark years or the beginning of the decade of darkness, Hemsky's involved in them. So I, I think he's a great oiler. Um, we've talked before about a ring of honor potentially going up at Rogers Place. And to me, Hemsky's got to be one of the first guys to get it because I don't think he gets enough love from some of the media and some of the fan base. In 11 seasons in Edmonton, or 652 games, Alex Hemsky scored 142 goals, 335 assists for 477 (laughs) points. And for a lot of us that watched the Oilers during that time period, during the early 2000s, up until the moment when he left, actually, he was one of the best things to watch on most nights. He was undoubtedly talented. He could dangle guys. Like Dan said, he was ultimately very frustrating as well because he has an absolute laser of a shot and he never used it. But he was so much fun to watch. He was so skilled. And I just think back to that season where the Oilers went on the cup run in 2006. And he was a 22-year-old with 77 points that year. Um, He never matched again. He did get to 71 points in 2007-2008. But... um, I just I remember having so much hope for Alex Hemsky thinking like, man, this guy is going to be sensational. And it was always, the Oilers need to find a winger to play with Hemsky. The Oilers need to find a winger to play with Hemsky. And I remember some of the hilarious ones, like Peter Socorro was there a couple of times. Uh, Nedved. Nedved was there a couple of times. Uh, Horkov. You know, I mean, like, he was just fun. He was a fun player to watch. And like Rick said, he never, he took so much shit and it was a bad time. It was a bad era for for players like him too, right? Like it was it was physical. Nobody was really taking care of those guys. You know, the Darian Hatchers were on the ice, and you were mauling forwards coming down the ice that time. Still, so it was not a very uh, a very friendly time for offensive players like him. Well, in the Battle of Alberta, you mentioned Robin Regeer. Robin Regeer stole Hemsky's lunch money on a nightly basis. Anytime the Oilers played the Flames, and it was just he would always battle through. He would always bounce back. He would never really kind of stay down. And that's why I always thought it was funny because if you guys remember, there was always that uh, Hemsky is soft kind of narrative that would go through the media. And it was just like, okay, you could say he's soft, but have you seen him play? He takes more shit than anybody on that roster. Do you remember when Bugard made like his life? Bugard made a life out of going after Hemsky. And so did, uh, so did Regeer, like Rick said, like it was, the guy was, the guy was picked on relentlessly because he was our one talent guy. Everybody else was, you know, you got Ryan Smith, who's a grinder. You got, you got all these guys that are just, you know, they're able to, to, to take it all. And Hemsky did too, because he had to. That's all, that's all he had. I'm watching that clip right now of him getting blown up by Nicholas Cronwall. And I mean, oh, yeah, okay. credit to Hemsky. Like he gets right back up in this clip and you can tell he's shaken. But he gets up, he stay, he goes to the bench, stays on the bench as well. Like yeah. he took a lot of shit and he fought through a lot of shit. Yep. He was, a, he was a fun player to watch. Um, it's unfortunate the way things kind of ended. He was probably one of those players that got traded out of Edmonton too late rather than yeah. too soon. Um, so that was disappointing. But overall, I loved watching that guy play. And I remember, too, even when he got moved from Edmonton to Ottawa at that trade deadline, he went out and scored an absolute beauty of a goal for the Senators right away. And everybody was just so in love with it. And it just kind of you would see those flashes of brilliance from him every now and then. And he was a great oiler to watch. Um, happy to see him 
with his adorable family going off into the sunset, doing whatever it is that they do now. And uh, for the cap to former Edmonton mother, Alex Hemsky, he was a lot of fun for teams that were not very much fun. And uh, <laughs> I think that's kind of all you can really say about it. Oh, that goal he scored for the Sens against the Lightning? Oh, man, that was just nasty. I sorry, I'm, watching, right I'm watching highlights of Hemsky while we do the pod. <laughs> Holy shit, man. He, I, what defenseman was that? Because that guy should be automatically put on waivers whatever year this was in. Yeah, I'll find that clip too for the article for the podcast. Too, I think it was Radko Gudis. Because that goal, like, like Tyler's watching that one for Ottawa right now, is just bananas. He, the dangle, the finish, the celebration, all of it. Sick. It was great. It was absolutely great. We interrupt your cat video. Are you guys watching cat videos? I'm Who just opening. That? I'm opening up the Utah. I want to see the uh, the goal. Good for you, Rick. an ad first. We interrupt your cat video. Yeah, Rick's it's watching for, cat it's videos. for Frosted Flakes, man. It was chocolate Frosted Flakes. No, that was the commercial. Oh, there's like the dangle. Flakes. Oh, yeah, that's sick. So yes. we're gonna throw that. We're gonna throw that one in the article hereafter because a beautiful Ooh. goal, a very very talented player. Um, so shout out to Alex Hemsky. In other news, though, today it is Friday, May fifteenth, and boys, that brings us to over one year. One year of having Ken Holland sign on as the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers. We posted an article at nine forty eight on May fifth of two thousand nineteen. Chris, the former intern, RIP, wrote about it. Paperwork was getting done. Darren Dreger reported that the Oilers were indeed signing Ken Holland to a five-year contract at $5 bucks. Gentlemen, I want to look back at the past year of Ken Holland. Look at some of his work, what you liked, maybe what you didn't like, your thoughts coming into the Ken Holland era, your thoughts after a year of hindsight. What do you guys think? First Tyler? of all, can I say we got to give some love to former Saskatchewan Rough Riders play-by-play guy Rod Peterson, who tweeted like a month before this yeah. happened, Ken Holland yeah. will be the next GM of the Oilers. And I'm not What's sure... What's the CFL guy going to know? Oh, I was one of those people saying, what is the <laughs> CFL guy going to know? But credit to Rod, man. Absolute beauty, and he nailed this one. Um, As far as Ken Holland's first year, he got them out from the Lucic contract. He went out and got guys who can improve the penalty kill. He made a gamble, and it paid off on a guy like Mike Smith, he took that approach of instead of buying, and we've used this analogy and debated it a lot, instead of going out and buying one $20 scratch ticket, he went out and bought 10 $2 scratch tickets. And hey, guys like Shahan, Archibald, Haas, and Nygaard, they worked out for him. Guys like Yurkcho maybe didn't, but that's the risk you kind of take. And as much as I was kind of against that strategy last summer, and I think me and Dan got into a lot of fights over this, Credit to Dan, credit to Ken Holland. It, it worked, and I think the first year of Ken Holland at the helm for the Oilers was, it, I give him an A grade. Yeah, you, there, isn't, there isn't a lot of negative you can uh, you can give to him. He came in with a bit of a tire fire, and uh, I think everything he's done has been um, pretty much a positive. I'm sure every I'm sure there would be one or two things he'd either change, but from what he's done, where we were this time last year to where we are right now, uh, I don't know how you can give him anything besides uh a uh, passing grade here. Credit where credit is due. Rick was also on the team scratch. I was ticket. definitely yeah yeah no no and I was so, definitely a, no no I was against scratch ticket. I was oh right that's right yeah I was on like let's get yeah yeah I was like let's get two three million dollar guys instead of you know five one million dollar guys. Yeah and so I mean like I I I'm with you guys I I think he's done great I think the thing is that you could point at and say like 
is maybe the Chieson contract where he, you know, he was probably convinced by the rest of the organization to do that one. Um, and the AA trade right now, I would say the jury is still out on that one. Um, and that's not, on, that's not really fair though either, right? Cause we didn't get the rest of the season. To, no, of course, play, of course so. not. But it's, it is just a, you know, it's a question mark as yeah. to whether you resign the guy for the right deal or you lose him next year. Like who knows? Right. So, so that, that would be my only time that I would even criticize him. But yeah, hundred percent. He's, he did the Luke Teach thing, his his trades. The John Marino one, again, you know, his hand was forced. It wasn't necessarily his his choice. Marino, we don't know that for sure. Here, yeah, so. Exactly. So it, it's it is one it is one that, you know, you you just can't you can't fault him on. So yeah, I would say a solid B grade for uh, for it so far. For me, I think it's like I remember thinking when uh Ken Holland was hired, um I was just like, oh, come on, man. Is this really all that much different? He was an old kind of hockey boy. Uh, he's been around 100 years. I was kind of – I was really hoping for Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, obviously, that didn't work out. He got promoted in Vegas. But um, I was I was questioning it, and I was happy to be wrong. And there was no better time to be wrong about the Ken Holland hire than on July 19th, 2019, when – Two short months after he was hired, he managed to move Milan Lucic, <laughs> retained $750,000 of that conditional third-round pick to Calgary, of all places, in exchange for James Neal. Once that happened, all I thought was, whoa! Because that was the kind of move that we needed Peter Chiarelli to make so often, but he didn't. He would just find ways to bungle things and fuck it all up. And then Ken Holland comes in and moves a guy that everybody needed to move whether that was fans just from an emotional standpoint whether that was the team from uh god this guy sucks for what he's being paid standpoint everything and to move him to calgary of all places yeah. unbelievable unbelievable so that was his very first trade as an edmonton as the edmonton oilers gm and man was it a banger you couldn't couldn't find a better way to uh to appease your new fans it's like scoring a hat trick in your debut <laughs> it's very much true Speaking of which, what was that? What was that guy's name? Uh, Fabian Brunstrom. Was it him? That was uh, the uh, hot shit out of Sweden, and he came in and yeah. scored a hat trick in his first game. And everybody's like, "Oh shit!" I think and a he kid did disappeared. it. I think a kid did it this year too, though. I think a kid did it for like Ottawa. Oh yeah, who was it? <clears throat> but it's weird. Like, so I didn't realize this beforehand. They keep every single puck that goes in the net. Oh yeah, right. I didn't know that. Yeah, because the kid at the end of the game takes a picture of this through with with the three pucks, or you know. Um, I think Joe Thornton did something this year where he, he didn't he score four and then he yeah. had all four pucks. And I was um, like, well, what the hell was the point of them keeping the first puck for? Yeah. So I, I have an uncle who works for the NHL and uh, he's transitioned. He's done a bunch of stuff. He was a concussion spotter for a little bit. So he's taught me about how that process works. He uh, does stats now, but for a while he was working in the penalty box and it's a fascinating process of like everything that goes on after a goal is scored. Like if you watch the one penalty box door, always stays open until they get an okay from upstairs that like the goal mm-hmm. is good and then they close the door and yeah every puck comes in after a goal they sticker it right down the serial number who scored it all that stuff put it into another container it's really cool to kind of get an inside look at that one day when he retires from working for the nhl we'll get him on the pod what do they do with the with the pucks afterwards i think it's like if the player you know if it's a hat trick or whatever they use it for that if not they go to like you auctions just- and they sell them as like game used pucks right i guess so that's so um, weird to think about, eh? Yeah. They turn well, them into you, chunks. 
you'd think you just recycle them into you think you just recycle them into uh, practice pucks. Yeah, I bet you there's a fair amount of that as well. But I mean, they can make money off that if you sell a yeah, damn yeah, used no, puck, right? Um, yeah. On the topic of you... Fabian Brunstrom, he scored three goals in that one game. Never had a season where he scored more than two after that rookie year. <laughs> uh, how much did he make though? YouTube scouting. Oh, I don't know how much he how much he made, but that would have been like because of the worlds, right? Like he would have had a couple of good world tournaments and like Yuri Depita. Yeah. Uh, so Brunstrom, I just closed his page. There you go. Uh, he was wasn't drafted, and the first year they have of him on Hockey DB is oh five oh six, where he scored three. He played three games, didn't get a point in some Swedish league, and then they have no stats for oh six oh seven. Then in 07-08, he scored nine goals in 54 games in the Swedish Elite League. And then the next year was randomly in the NHL. So, yeah, it might, it's, then it's like international tournaments yeah. where everyone gets all excited about him. So random. Super random. That is a name, no, though, that not... a lot of hockey players know, or a lot of hockey fans know, hey? Like, just the way he came, burst onto the scene like that. Dude, there's well, yeah. a couple of those yeah. guys. I mean, remember the monster coming across? Yeah. Oh, I remember the hype around the monster. Do you know what that reminds me of on, it was free agency day, whatever that was a couple of years ago when Peter Shirelli signed the monster and I tweeted out from the nation account. <laughs> oh boy. I don't know about this one. And I got roasted for it. That was one of those moments where I was like, man, I was so right. And I took so much shit <laughs> for days because obviously July 1st is in the middle of the summer. You have to wait months until hockey gets back. But Man, did I take shit for a long time for making fun of the monster. And boy, was I right. So you were very right. Props to me. Um, I want to go back to Ken Holland real quick, boys, before we move on. So, like I said, that first trade was the Lucic trade. That blew everyone's mind open. Uh, You guys mentioned the John Marino trade to Pittsburgh. His hands were tied there. That was a Shirelli guy. Didn't want to sign here without him. Okay, fine. But then you look forward from there. He made a couple of – the next trade he made were at this year's deadline. So he moved Kyle Brodziak, uh, who was obviously retired, a conditional fourth in exchange for Mike Green. There's another player that we didn't get a real good chance to see because he got banged up and then the season got shut down. And then he traded Sam Gagne, uh, second-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year to on, uh, to Detroit again for Andreas Athanasiu and Ryan Kuffner. You guys are forgetting about Ryan Kuffner. Don't sleep on Ryan Kuffner. And then he moved Tyler Ennis or required Tyler Ennis for a fifth-round pick in 2021. And then Yoel Pearson, I, I mean, do you guys even remember Yoel Pearson? He got moved to Anaheim, the, to Anaheim for a seventh-round pick <clears throat> in 2022. So the trades he has made so far as Edmonton Oilers GM, to me, wildly in the positive side as opposed to the negative side. Oh, yeah, there's nothing you can really complain about there. He's not exactly been dealt the best time. So uh, where we are now is a hell of a lot better than where we were when he started. So, yeah, Keep up Sam Gagne for seven games if that happens to you and nothing else. I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, but watch <laughs> Sam come back, though. Yeah, I'm already, I've, I've predicted this a bunch of times. Sam's coming back 13th forward, less than a million bucks. Let's go. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I, for me, like, the things that are knocks on Holland right now, like, one... I would like to see him go out and get the goalie of the future for this team. Like last summer, I know I've been on this. You talked about people getting mad at you, bag milk, when you're clearly right. I was yelling for Tristan Jari for so long last summer. Every day I'd go on podcasts, I'd go on the radio and be like, they need to go get this kid. 
Um, Were you confident going with Jari and Miko Koskinen though, knowing was, what we knew about Miko at the time? Like yeah. we didn't see Miko this year, so it was like he was a bad, bad taste in our mouth at the time. I was of the mindset that they had to take a bit of a gamble, and you had to find someone and take a chance that hey, it might not work, but there's also a chance this guy's your goalie for the next ten years. Yeah. And that's the one thing I'll say: it worked with Mike Smith, and I give him credit for that. And again, maybe an instance where I was wrong because I wasn't the biggest fan of the Mike Smith signing. But I want to see him go out and get the goalie of the future. But aside from that, like, the cap situation's not his fault. The Oilers are in cap hell because of Peter Shirelli and past blunders and buying guys out. It's not so much what Ken Holland's done. In fact, he's probably improved it with signings of guys like Caleb Jones to short-term, low-money deals, Josh Archibald and things like that. Um, so, I again, like, I just I don't really have anything that I can really, really knock Ken Holland for. If you are going to pick a... a- if you are going to pick a con, a knock against him, what would it be? Because like we said, all of us are pretty impressed with the work that Uncle Ken's done so far. I like the way he communicates with the media. I like the way he's made moves. I like the way that some of his scratch tickets have paid off. And when they don't pay off, like a Yul Pearson, he just moves on. I like all that. But if you're looking at maybe a negative, something he can improve on, what do you think? Dan? Well, I said it, I said it early on. It's just it's the, it's the chase on kind of contract. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, chase on in, in himself, but you, you just, you wish that that money could have gone somewhere else or nowhere at all and just be sitting there for us to use later. But he yeah. felt like he needed a winger yeah. and, and somebody in the organization yeah. convinced him of such. Tyler, what do you think? Is there, a, is there a knock on Holland for you? This is a tough knock because then you start kind of going down a rabbit hole of what could have happened, what didn't happen, what did happen because of it. But for me, it's the Sekera buyout. Um, he only had two more years left. I know it was five and a half million and I know they did go out and use that money. But at the same time, like you're telling me you couldn't retain 50% of that and get them off your books. And then I, I know it would have been a bit of a higher cap it, but he would have been off your books quicker. I don't know. You're telling me Andre Secker couldn't have been a useful defenseman for this team. And maybe you could have moved on from a guy like Chris Russell. It's just to me, the buyout of Secker sucks. I know it's hindsight and all that, but like it's more dead money. And this organization has so much dead money on their books right now. So my one knock would be the Sekera buyout. That's the one move I wasn't in total agreement with. Rick, what do you think? If we're picking a, yeah, it, that's a tough one. I mean, it's, it's, I got to just say, I got to go with Tyler there and just go, you know what, just keeping Chris Russell around, along this, this long and uh, choosing him over, over Sekera. I mean, I think I would have rather rolled the dice with the, with the better player who is a little bit, injury prone in the last little bit but it wasn't an injury i expected to uh be uh something too serious going forward so yeah i would have i would have rolled a secra yeah to me i mean i guess um it's tough to pick anything right now really like it's really just it's really tough he's done a really good job so, so far yeah i mean uh, i'm kind of with you guys too i didn't agree with uh buying out sexy reg at the time i still think that he would probably been more valuable on the third pairing especially considering the others have some a hard time moving the puck from the back end at times i feel like maybe sexy red would have helped but you know water under the bridge we'll see what happens because this summer i think well off season whenever the fuck that happens i think we're all kind of expecting him to move on from russell to clear space for be it caleb jones or somebody else and then there's bouchard that needs to move up i know that kind of leads into our next question but first i want to give a shout out to our friends at skip the dishes.ca they are doing an excellent job keeping Edmonton fed during these strange, strange days. 
They've got countless options available for you, regardless of what kind of cuisine you were looking for. Maybe you want to join in the Donair bracket that we're doing on Nation Happy Hour that's going up live on Instagram Wednesdays and Fridays. Maybe you want to try out some Donair shops. Maybe you want to go uh, some delicious foe. Maybe you just want some tasty nugs. Whatever you're looking for, skipthedishes.ca is there for you. And like Tyler always says, be sure to tip your drivers. Because they're doing, yeah, what else do you need to say? Just tip them. They're doing wonderful work. They bring the food for you. Reward them for that work. That brings me to today's armchair GM topic of the day. Tyler, what do you got for us? Yes, sir. We're going to focus on the blue line. And you mentioned it. It uh, it goes nicely with the Sekera conversation in a way. Uh, specifically on the right side, the Oilers are going to have some, it'll be interesting. Right now, they currently have Adam Larson, Ethan Bear and Matt Benning on that right side of the blue line. But, you know, you got a guy like Evan Bouchard who's going to be pushing up to get, uh, I mean, he wants an NHL spot. And I think that's pretty clear. And I, I think it's at the point where he, I think it's likely he could be playing regular minutes in the NHL next season. That would give the Oilers four legitimate NHL defensemen on the right side. Ethan Bear is an RFA, but I don't think there's any question that he'll be brought back. Matt Benning's an RFA, and that's a bit of an interesting case as well because, if you're going to qualify him, it's going to push his cap hit to over $2 million a season. I really like Matt Benning, but if he's the guy who's holding that spot for Bouchard, and you know you can maybe replace Benning's two-point-something cap hit with Evan Bouchard on an entry level, it could be a way to save some money. Matt Benning is a young right-shot defenseman with offensive instincts and some still some upside, so I think you'd get a lot if you decided to trade him. Uh, but I guess my question to you guys would be, what is your what what's your defense look like next year for the Oilers? Who are the seven D men that you'd like to see up with the big club? I don't know who wants to well, go first, but I'll I'll jump in on this one here. Uh, I think the left side is pretty much set out there. I think they all have contracts. You're rolling with uh, Clefbaum, Nurse, and Jones, right? Uh, obviously, you can add Russell in there as he's got one year left. He shoots left, or yeah, and then, so you can make him the fourth technically, and then over on the right. Um, just, you know what? Adam's got one more year left on his contract. Um, I know some guys are saying we should look at re-signing uh, Mike Green. I don't think I'd do that. I think he's going to be a little too expensive. Um, what's Benning's contract? Uh, 10% raise? Just over two? Yeah, it'll be like just over two. Yeah, see, 1.9 right now. Yeah, I think you gotta, I think you gotta keep Matt Benning. Um, I'm keeping Larson and obviously Bear. And Bouchard's going to have an opportunity to crack the lineup. If Matt Benning turns into your number seven coming out of uh, training camp and stuff, maybe you can look at moving him and bringing in a, a cheaper option and, and rolling him as number seven. But uh, this way, if you keep Matt Benning right now, it does not force um, Bouchard to have to make the team. So if you allow Bouchard to either make it or not, like just not put that pressure on him to have to be there, kind of like Bear this season, uh, I think that's the best for him. So I'm going to go with Matt Benning, and then Bouchard is kind of like the seven. They can rotate six and seven, and if Bouchard looks really good, you can move Benning in the in the in the first couple months of the year and bring someone else in. Dan, we think. Uh, yeah, I hate I hate to be the guy that just agrees, but yes, I think that uh, I think that you've got a fine defensive six in Nurse, Bear, Clefbaum, Larson, and then Jones and Benning. And then, yeah, I think you just see what you got in Bouchard next year. Um, I know that that uh, 
well, Holland is uh, Holland is stocking the cupboards for defensemen. So I don't think you necessarily need to go out. Like if you look at the if you're looking at the the free agent list for for guys, it's not that it's not that much better than what we have in house um, for guys of any kind of value. Uh, like Mark Pissick is available from Florida, 28 years old, but he's you think he's going in probably the three and a half four million dollar range. Um, I just yeah, there's, there's just there's not a lot out there uh, where you're going to be signing a guy with any kind of age where where you'd, you'd want to keep working with him and, and not just have him in as a stopgap. And if you have a stopgap that, you know, that Evan Bouchard overpasses throughout the season, well, then, you know, you, you have to move that stopgap out and you have to find somebody else that has contract or has uh, the ability to fit that contract in. And I just don't know if he can do it. I'm going to go ahead and guess that the defense looking into next season is the exact same as it was this year. Unless he moves Russell which I think he probably will to try and save some money and give Caleb Jones that spot. Outside of that, I think it looks the exact same, except we sub in Caleb Jones on that third pairing left side with Benning because we already saw what he did with what uh, Holland did with Yamamoto. Yamamoto didn't come up until that New Year's Eve game. And it worked out well. That's just, that's Holland's MO. So I feel like he's going to do the exact same thing with, with, um, with Evan Bouchard. Bear started right away. I guess Bear would be a little bit older though. Yeah, but like I mean, that's and that's the difference, I guess, is that Bear got some at bats in the AHL. He's a little bit older. Looking at the Condor stats right now, Evan Bouchard uh, was tied for second in team scoring, um, thirty-six points in fifty-four games. Tyler Benson would have had more than that, but he was called up to the big club, so he only had forty-seven games. But Evan Bouchard is still working on what is undoubtedly outside of outside of being a goalie the hardest position in hockey. So I feel like Holland's just going to let him be the big fish down in Bakersfield for a little bit. And if it comes a time where he bullies his way onto the Oilers roster, then I think you look at Matt Benning. But where it gets interesting with Benning is that he's an RFA this summer, but there's only one year left of that. He is going to be a UFA next year. So they do have to make a call on him soon. And I kind of just think that they'll sign him this year, keep him, and maybe flip him at the deadline next year. Or you just like let that. him walk away. Sometimes some of these guys just end up walking away for free, right? Yeah, exactly. So we'll see what you happens. Get their, I mean, you get their use out of them and shake hands at the end, at the end of the time. For me... Which, but, sorry, go ahead, Tyler. I was just going to say, like, the interesting thing with Matt Benning is I look at a guy like that, and there are a ton of reasons to like that hockey player, and I wonder if there are some other teams out there that could really be liking that hockey player. And I'm not saying you go out and actively shop Matt Benning, because I think you have to be really careful that you don't deplete too much of your defensive depth by moving out both Russell and Benning in one offseason. But, you know, Mike's, Mike Green's been hurt a lot. If he ends up being cheap, and what if it's, you know, a one-year, $1.5 million deal to keep Mike Green on this hockey team, he might be a cheaper version of Matt Benning. Bouchard's there is another insurance policy. They signed the big defenseman uh, from Finland as well, Theodore, I just had his name in front of me, Theodore Langstrom. Teddy Lundstrom, what if there's an RFA, a young RFA centerman out there who, and a team's looking for some defensive depth and you can just swap Benning for that center and a guy who can come be your third line center for the next three, four, five years and really solidify that position. Like, I, I'm not saying you have to trade Matt Benning. I'm not even saying I want to trade Matt Benning, but I'd be interested to see what he could bring you back in terms of a young forward. Like, I don't know if the value's even there. And this is a player I like, but Chris Tierney out in Ottawa. You know, Ottawa probably would benefit from getting some more defensemen in their system. 
Chris Tierney's an RFA, he would cost a little bit more money, but I, I, I just wonder if maybe there's a chance to parlay some of this defensive depth into really bolstering your forward crew and bolstering your top nine. I mean, it would be nice to see the Oilers for once trade from a position of strength and actually improve another area of the team rather than just being like doing the exact yeah. opposite of that, as we saw with Peter Shirley for years. Do you know what I mean? I, I think we're getting to that point, though. I hope so. We're getting I there. We're so. getting there. And I just like, we also have to keep our fingers crossed that maybe there are other players on the in the system that turn into Ethan Bears. Because like, if we had talked... If we had spoken at this point last year about Ethan uh, Ethan Bear stepping into the lineup and doing what he did for the Oilers this year, none of us would have thought that was possible. Because I remember Caleb Jones was the one that was inked into the lineup. Where yeah, Bear got hurt last year early, so then uh, Jones kind of passed him in the in the chart. So we'll have to see what happens, right? Um, Ken Holland does like to let guys marinate, if you want to use that poor analogy. But so that adds a interesting layer to it and like tyler's point right-handed defenseman there is no no position on the ice it seems like that is more inflated in value than a right-handed defenseman and that's what matt benning is so maybe there is a return out there that makes sense to move him and then bouchard just has to kind of adapt or god forbid you have to move russell over to the right side which oh god people no. love that. to do hey, i'm just saying man we've seen it plenty Stop of times <laughs> So it's going to be interesting to see what's going on with the Oilers' defense next year. We My are guess, in though, good shape, though. We are in good shape, though, with those two righties and Bear and Bouchard. Yeah, and there's also I was just kind of as you guys were talking, I was just doing a, cr- a cruise around Twitter, and there's actually a sizable segment of Oilers fans and just hockey Twitter at in general that is looking at um, maybe the Oilers should trade Adam Larson and keep Matt Benning. Not yet, not yet. I think a guy like Larson, when it when it chips are down in the playoffs, when it gets mean out there, that's when you want him. Me, I agree with you 100, percent Rick. I think that's a guy that in a playoff series, like remember first game this year, Gator. When, he, when he broke his foot and kept playing for some of the game. Like you want that on your team in the playoffs. You want that mean physical defenseman who, when you're up by a goal, you put him out there because you know he's going to get in the lanes. He's going to make smart decisions with the puck. I, I think you keep Adam Larson around. Dude, who's one of the biggest names you remember from 06 is Jason Smith. Yeah. And I'm not going to say he's not he's not exactly the same as Jason Smith, but he's uh, a little more offensive, a little less mean, but he can do exactly what, what Gator was doing out there. I mean, you, you keep that guy around. I know he's only got one year left, and then he's UFA, so it's probably a contract that's going to be too long. So he's probably not going to be here, but I'll, I'll get that last year out of him. I agree with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that... I think that it's good. A good defensive grouping has three or four guys where you're just like, okay, those guys are solid, penciled in dudes, and then then to see what you have with the others. And I and I think we've we've seen what we have with Bear, and we've seen what we have with Joe. But either of those guys could have a regression next year. And, and they and but they they play it. different roles too, right? Like yeah. Larson is good when it's when it's defensive time and it's time to keep the puck of the net, you know. That's who you get out there. And then five on five, dude, Bear looks good. And hopefully five on five, five on four, Bouchard's going to run it all for us. So we're in a good situation right now. And as always, cap concerns are going to be a problem for the Oilers, at least in the immediate future. So they're going to have to make some choices in terms of just purely monetary choices as well. So if we're looking at it from that lens, how are you guys clearing some money? I don't Russell's think you have the to. Obvious one. You don't have to quite yet, do you? 
Russell's the obvious one to me. Yeah, Russell's out, and then Larson's out the year after that. So that's four whatever, then another four something. Um, Bouchard's not going to be getting four something to start. You're going to get Bear in at a at a nicer number. Jones is already in at less than two. Clefbaum's only less than five. Nurse, who knows what that number turns out to be. So I don't think we're in that big of an issue when it comes to um, salary cap on the defense. And then some of that dead money comes off in the next year or two. Uh, we're going to get out of the Neal contract the next year or two. I think we're actually we're out of the danger area. We're, uh, we're getting closer to the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to the cap issues. There's still a little bit of time to go, but we're get, it's, it's not as bad a- anymore. So looking at it, uh, Eric Ryba comes off the books. Brandon Manning comes off the books. Tyler, no matter how bad you want him to come back, Marcus Granlin is coming off the books. <laughs> you better watch your mouth. <laughs> but it's still weird to look at this, right? On Puckpedia.com and see Benoit Pouliot's name oh. is still on the Oilers' books for another season. And wasn't that the year where they didn't even use all their cap space, right? Yeah, like the they... cap space spent the year up, uh, up in Little Brick. Yeah, like, fuck me. That, yeah, that, that was a, that was Peter Shirelli saying that he was uh, guarding against the Leon Drysaddle offer sheet that <laughs> nobody was ever going to put on him. So, like, thanks, Pete. You're just uh, your gifts just keep paying off, don't they? Even, but we're yeah. almost we're almost out of that we're almost out of that era. Like his touch, it's almost right off of us. There's a little ways to go yet, but yeah, we are still. We are getting close there. So Benoit Pouliot's got 1.33 left on the 2020-2021 season as well. So shout out to Benoit getting some paychecks from the Oilers despite not having played in the league for a couple of seasons. That's a good life if you can get it. He was there last year, wasn't he? No. No? Has he been out for two? For I think 16-17 was his last run. I thought, he got, I thought he had a decent start to the year like two years ago. So Benoit Pouliot left Edmonton in 2016-17 and played 74 games with the Sabres in 2017-18. Got 13 goals, 6 assists for 19 points in 74 games. Did not play after that. So farewell, Benoit. You were a uh, fancy stats darling. You took a lot of weird penalties. (laughs) And now we get to remember you on our books for at least another season. What What a time to be alive. Dude, just be glad you're not a Mets fan. They've been paying Bobby Bonilla for two decades. Uh, Tyler, you you talked about this on Real Life. Please run through it real quick again because this story is amazing. Okay, so (laughs) for those of you who don't know the Bobby Bonilla story, I still need to Google it to to fully understand it. But basically, the Mets signed Bobby Bonilla to this massive contract, and then they released him before the 2000 season while still owing him $5.9 million for the final year of his contract, basically like with inflation and blah, 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 like all the money that he was still owed for his contract, he decided to defer it and put it into payments of $1 million once a year until 2035, which means <laughs> by the end of this, he would have been paid close to $30 million for that final year of his deal. And it was all because the Mets basically didn't have the cash at the time to pay him his money outright. It's a wild story. Like, go read it. If you just search Bobby Bonilla, there is a bunch of stories about it. But, like, the Mets pay him $1.19 million every single July 1st. Dude, and then DiPietro and Yashin got some weird contracts, yeah. too. Oh, it's the best. See, like, but to be getting paid a million bucks until 2035, that's another 15 years of just being like, <laughs> cha-ching, all right. You wake, 
You wake up January 1st with a bit of a hangover from your New Year's Eve party and look at your bank account and there's an extra mill in there. Ah, all right. I guess I will get the, uh, you know what? Supersize my meal today, please. I've always Ugh. wondered that with these players who have massive signing bonuses. Like, do they roll over in bed and open up like the whatever, the TD mobile banking app and just go like, <laughs> yep, it's in there and just see like 12 point. Like, does McDavid wake up on July 4th or whatever and just be like, yeah, perfect. man. 12 point or 10.5 million. What do you want to do yep. today, Lauren? Like, come and on. And he just goes back to sleep again. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing with the CRB thing. <laughs> just, you know, waking up Tuesday morning. Yep, got an extra grand in my bank. Perfect. Well, I mean, uh, also a uh, former Edmonton Oiler, Ilya Brzezgalov, still on the Flyers books for a while as well. So I love those just long, insane buyouts. I'm pretty sure Yashin's just came off the Islanders book what like about, what a couple years ago. Intro? The, the the best. Pietro's off the books now. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> so who would there there wouldn't be any like uh contracts still going in NHL, that'd be crazy ones, right? Like that would be the Kovalchuk one. Yeah. That wasn't allowed to go, right? Um Wade Redden had a really bad one. We were talking about this on Real Life too. Remember when he was making like six and a half million for a few seasons and was just playing for oh, the yeah. Hartford Wolfpack? Like making more than probably <laughs> what an entire division of teams made. In the American Hockey League, Wade Run just cashing in. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if there's any more like really bad ones. I remember so Arthur Zerbe got sent to the minors like way back when, and he was making like three mil a year, and they were busting everywhere. So he just purchased the plane for everybody. He's like, all right, guys, we're flying today. Yeah, we're flying. We're flying the whole team. Let's go, guys. <laughs> this is totally off topic, but I've heard stories about uh, back when Patty Kane and uh, Kostitsin played on the London Knights. I don't know if this was Gagne's year or not. No, I think, no, it was just Kane and Kostitsin. The teams would bust to places, and sometimes the owner would let Kostitsin and Kane fly with him to places. <laughs> I lied. Rick DiPietro is officially on the books until 2029. Mike yeah, Richards. Gets, isn't Mike gets, Richards on the books for a while? Oh, Mike would have I don't to know. do. I don't know, but it's $1.5 from the Islanders until 2029. None of it counts against their cap. When did he play uh, 2003, last? it looks like. <laughs> yes. Man, like, uh, no, no, 2005, 2006. 25 years, 24 years of just straight money, eh? That's so good. That is so good. Because it's just like, I mean, Tyler's talked about this before. You can't save GMs from themselves. No. You just can't. Well, then, the, the, the eight-year um, maxes on these things now, they're trying to get rid of some of those loopholes. It's, it's kind of tying their hands, not letting them hang themselves. Yeah, like one of the only really long contracts that I can think of that's going to work out for both sides is like there's Sid's because he yeah. signed before the eight-year max. And then Ovi's, he signed before the eight-year max too. And I'm sure both teams are happy with those contracts. And I mean, in hindsight, neither of those guys getting bought out is what I'm saying. I, I have remembered what the best worst contract in the league is. It's Shea Weber and the whole cap Weber, yeah, capture. I'm at, like Nashville, I'm at right now. Nashville gets fucked. If he retires. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, right. Like, they really do, yeah. bad, too. Yeah, okay, I can try to pull it up. But it's something like, there would be a point if Shea Weber decided to retire and not just go on LTIR, which, I mean, in all likelihood, he would just go on LTIR. But there could be a situation where if Shea Weber retired, the Nashville Predators have a $24.5 million cap yeah, recapture penalty in 2025. <laughs> can you imagine that? They get to an offseason and... There's like, fuck it. We have to literally trade everyone because we have to pay Shea Weber $25 million. 
Man, so what we need to hope for, boys, is that Shea Weber actually retired so that we can go cash in on the Nashville Predators because they would be having an amazing yard. Uh, you brought up Mike Richards. Mike Richards is on the on the Kings books until 2025-2026. He's making anywhere, depending on the year, seven hundred, nine hundred, six hundred thousand dollars So he's getting himself a nice couple of paychecks, too. Also on the Kings books... Uh, 2020, 2021 is Ilya Kovalchuk. How about him getting his ridiculous contracts bought out by multiple teams over multiple periods in the NHL? Yeah, man. Some of those, if you're in the right place at the right time, these contracts, you can become just filthy rich doing nothing. You look at a guy in the NFL, Sam Bradford, he's played, shoot, I don't know, he's started like 21 games or something stupid like this, and he's near $100 million. I love that, man. I just love this. You let, again, you can save these GMs from themselves sometimes. <laughs> and for us, it makes for excellent pandemic fodder for the podcast. As long as it's not on the Oilers. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, they got Sexy Reg on there. It's 2.5. They've got the Lucic. They've, we've already talked about Pouliot. Um, so, yeah, they've got, uh, they've got their share. Just thankfully, they don't go on for decades. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh that would be so frustrating man changing gears entirely um there's been a lot of talk about i think it was tsn maybe somebody was talking about hall of famers and potential hall of famers maybe people that got snubbed i got a little quiz for you boys there are eight edmonton oilers currently in the hockey hall of fame oh, i'm looking at all your faces right now mm-hmm. nobody search Let's go through them. I'm going to see how many you get. Some of them are very obvious. Others, not quite so. Who do you okay, got? Let's go, let's go through the banners first. Gretz. You've got Gretzky, Messier, Messier Deer. You've got Anderson. Curry. Coffee. Coffee and Curry. So that's six. They're just Schlatt. six. Schlatt. Say there would we're be, not, right? We're, we're, no. we're counting players only. Okay. Al Hamilton. Players only. Al Hamilton's Hamilton. not in the Hall of Fame, though, is he? Hamilton is not in the Hall of Fame, though he is up in the Raptors. Does Jim Matheson count? (laughs) Of course, yeah. Maddie, we're going to give Maddie a head nod. I love Maddie. What's the the exact category here? Hockey Hall of Famers, but they played for the Edmonton Oilers. You guys are missing two. For a certain amount of time? Uh, They've played at least, uh, you know, at least a handful of games with the Edmonton Oilers. Adam Oates. Adam Oates, there's a oh, there's a hidden one for fuck. Rick. Nice pull, think, Rick. Uh, Pronger's still not, not in the hall there yet. Chris Pronger um, is the eighth player. He is, he is in already. Oh, Chris Pronger oh, is. is the most recent inductee. Huh. For Adam Oates is the hidden gem there. Yeah, Adam Oates was the hidden gem because anybody who remembers yeah. Adam Oates' time here, he actually offered to pay the organization back the money they gave him because it just went so poorly for him. <laughs> what a guy. But he was going to teach all our guys how to take face-offs. Yeah, I was just going to say, Stolen uh, Horkoff gave him a lot of credit for teaching them how to how to win the face-offs cheekily, and, and then that turned into some domination in the playoffs. See, I well, I always one- remember... One thing that's not fair when you get taught like that is I think those guys, the Adam Oates, they have like dad strength at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to teach like Stoli, who's 24. It's just not fair. But yeah, I get it. So that's why and we also, have the rule for not winning with your glove anymore. <laughs> Adam Oates also did a hilarious thing. I'll never forget this. I remember reading about how he used to customize his sticks for face-off wins. And he would like hack off 
two or three inches at the end of his blade to make it shorter and faster for nice. for snapping pucks back. So and shut it'd, be a, it'd be stronger too that way. Probably. And I do believe I could be wrong here. Somebody correct me if you're listening to this. I'm pretty sure he also was one of those guys that used a straight blade as well. It was really, yeah, it was, he did not have much of a curve at all. Shout out to the straight blade people. So real quick around the horn, if we're going to guess the next Edmonton Oiler player, player. To make oh, the wait. Hockey Hall- did we say Kevin Lowe? He's not in the Hall of Fame. He's not in. Oh, man. He's Sorry. supposed to be. There you go. There's next, my answer. Sorry, Bag Milk. It, well, hey, there's Dan's answer. Next Edmonton Oiler to go into the Hockey Hall of Fame. We already got Kevin Lowe on the board. Nathan Dan, that's probably one of the top answers in Family Feud. Dude, the answer is obviously 97. Yeah. You, nice. you think past or present, nobody will get into the hall before Connor? Uh, yes. I'm with you, too. I There's an interesting case for Ryan Smith because of his international success. The Hockey Hall of Fame, yeah, so the NHL Hall of Fame. It's not the story. NHL Hall of Fame, right? So that's where I think Ryan Smith's case gets gets a little interesting. Kevin Lowe is obviously high on the board, but it's Connor. And, and those Leo. are the only two. Yeah. Those are the only two. Yeah, there's no, yeah, there's, yeah, there's just Connor and Leon are the next to actual players, unless, you know, I, I don't see Smitty ever getting in. And, Did you see uh, if Bill Guerin get in? No, no. He's got some rings, no. though. Yeah. You get like, like, oiler. You get a former Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. If he got in, I would definitely fit into the category. Uh, he'd get, like, all his credentials in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, hockey, but I don't know if he's going to get NHL. There's also a guy, um, again, I, I don't know what the bar is for the Hockey Hall of Fame these days, but Dougie Waite, over 1,200 games, over 1,000 yeah. points. He's got a cup ring. Yeah, Dougie Waite's yeah, an interesting one, what's too. His, what's his, uh, how many goals? How many points? It, it, used to be, it used to be like 500 goals got you in, right? In 1,238 NHL games, Doug Waite had 278 goals, but 755 assists for 1,033 points. That's tough. So then we'd have to go and see what the the baseline for points is to get into the yeah, Hall of Fame. Which the is one thing, like there is a, a lot number. of there's a lot of really good players who don't get into hall into the Hall of Fame, and that's I don't really like how the Hockey Hall of Fame always has four every year that get in. Like I'd like it to go to more of a baseball system where you need like a percentage of the vote to get in because then it's you know only like the true greats. I feel like sometimes the Hockey Hall of Fame gets a little watered down, but at the same time it's it's a Hall of Fame. Like what am I really going to argue about, right? That's where the Ryan Smiths get in. Yeah. As much as I love the Ryan Smiths, there he's not a Hall of, Hall of Famer until you start getting with your heart and stuff, and then of course he's in yeah. there. All right. Before we uh, before we started recording here, we were actually talking. Uh, I was putting together the mailbag for Monday that goes up on OilersNation.com. We were talking about Ring of Honor stuff. Smith was kind of everybody's first pick in terms of who you would want to see in the Ring of Honor. So. I think he's second. I think Kevin Lowe has to be first. Yeah, Kevin Lowe again. Same goes. Ring, like if we do like a if we do like a Ring of Honor, then I think Kevin Lowe's got to go. Up. And I mean, you can do two or three guys in the same night. I can or, see Kevin know. Lowe. Kevin Lowe's banner still is going up, in yeah. my opinion. That's why I didn't I didn't include him in my Ring of Honor because I think he's his number will be retired. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, he deserves to be hung up in whatever um, fashion you want to make it. For me, my five were I put Lowe on there as a Ring of Honor, and then I had Hamsky, Smitty. And, uh, oh shit, see, now I forget because I have my answers in front of me. But Hemsky and Smith were, were the two I had up there with Lowe. I can't oh, wait. Here's, oh, can't wait Logan Ranford. On... Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I'm looking, at, uh, I'm looking at the Hockey Hall of Fame website right now, 
and it's showing the first year eligible players for induction in 2020. So the minimum requirements for goalies is a minimum of 400 regular season games, over 200 NHL games, or recorded 25 or more NHL shutouts. Uh, and then for forward and defenseman, you have to have played a minimum of 1,000 games, a recorded minimum of 300 goals, 400 assists, or 700 points. Hmm. So it's so kind Dougie, of like you got like, to have those 300 goals. Uh, yeah, I, I no, but he's got. Like, what do you list, say? He's got over a thousand points. Though. Yeah, he's got a thousand and a thousand. Hey guys, yeah. the list, the list right now is like <laughs> coming into this year is Brian Campbell, Shane Doan, <laughs> Michael Hanzus. Look in the sky, everybody. Tyler gets. Tyler gets Chris your Neal. buttons ready because we are Mark Rivero. <laughs> we are going to finish off this week's podcast so we can all go sky gazing and look at the snowbirds. It's one fifty-two. It is one fifty-two p.m. Mountain Standard Time on Friday, May fifteenth. It is time for the Oodle Noodle Hot and Cold Performers <laughs> of the Week. We are going to rip through these so we can all go watch the snowbirds. <laughs> all right, we're going to as always, as we always do. We're going to start with the cold performers of the week. But first, I want to give a shout out to Oodle Noodle. They are donating 10% of all takeout orders to local charities and initiatives. This week, it is going to Dogs with Wings, and it is a great charity. Go check out at Oodle Noodle Graham and the Facebook page to see the video that Jay did at Dogs with Wings. He was playing with some adorable doggos. So, the Oodle Noodle Cold Performer of the Week, we're going to start with the Time Master, the guy who's pointing at his big watch, <laughs> Tyler Uremchuk, your Oodle Noodle Cold Performer of the Week. I'm going to give my cold performer of the week to a combination, and I'm going outside of hockey. It is both baseball players and baseball owners. The two of them cannot come to an agreement on what to do. They're fighting over millions and millions of dollars, saying they're putting their lives at risk, and the owners are saying we're, we're doing what's best for the business. To me, it's a little nauseating right now hearing a bunch of millionaires fight over their millions and millions of dollars when, I mean, you're an entertainment thing at some point. How about you both just take a bit of a cut and do something for the fans? So uh, my cold performer of the week, baseball owners and baseball players who are fighting over that. Cash money. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. Good, Good for timing. you. Rick, your Oodle Noodle cold performer of the week. Uh, we're going to go with the citizens of the city of Calgary and the city of Brooks, Alberta. They have uh, almost, almost slowed down the whole phase one for uh, reopening for Alberta. And uh, luckily, we were able to do it outside of them because I think we can do it in a nice fashion. And yeah, I just didn't, uh, wasn't too happy with them trying to slow things down by not taking proper precautions previously. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, <laughs> Dan, your oodle noodle cult performer of the week. Same kind of idea as Tyler's, actually. Uh, he gave me the idea. Uh, it's the CFL and the CFL Players Association. Not being able to come together and beg for money together. They're still bickering over who gets the money when the government does give them money. And I just think that that's ridiculous. Like Tyler said, we're we're not talking about, uh, we're not even talking about playing games and they can't come together on the agreement for, for who gets the cash. So it's uh, the CFL Players Association, the CFL in general. <laughs> Uh, my cold performer of the week goes to the never-ending construction on my townhouse complex. This has been going on <laughs> for fucking months, and now they are still working on stuff in my little area. The banging, the hammering, the lack of parking spot that I pay for is really annoying. Cold performer of the week goes to this never-ending construction cycle on my townhouse. Burr, burr. 
Flipping to the other side of the ledger, we're going to look at our Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week to look at a little bit of sunshine from the past seven days. Nation Dan, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. My Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week uh, comes back, harkens back to a, a tragedy that hit the uh, Oilers organization a couple of weeks ago uh, with the loss of Colby Cave. Um, the organizations, uh, the Condors and the Oilers came together and put together a beautiful book that they sent to uh, Cave's widow, Emily Cave. And if you haven't had a chance to check that out, I think she posted on her Instagram story, so it might be gone now. But but just a beautiful thing with uh, some video highlights within the book. I don't know how they do that technology these days, but it was amazing to see and, and just a lot of memories for her and, and for the Cave family in general. Put some respect on my name. Mr. Uremchuk, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. My Hot Performer of the Week is the Snowbirds, guys, and it's me forgetting to watch the Snowbirds. I have never been excited about anything in the sky ever in my life. Fireworks, helicopters, planes, I don't give a shit. Today, I've decided I give a shit. Shout out to the Snowbirds. Uh, Rick, your Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week. That's easy. It's the rest of the citizens of this wonderful province of Alberta. <laughs> Uh, we've got phase one where we're green light to go. And I was out yesterday and it looked very nice. People were distanced, people were calm, relaxed, having a good time. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's smart to get out there and just do it safely. Go out hooking. And now you can. <laughs> get I, think that bread. I think that's phase two. Get that bread, people. Uh, my Oodle Noodle Hot Performer of the Week is probably going to take up about six or seven minutes of time here. Just, I, got a, <laughs> yes. I, got, I got a little bit of a rant that I want to go on. <laughs> Just kidding, Tyler. I wouldn't ruin this for you, buddy. My Hot Performer of the Week, future new album, Life is Good. Just downloaded it. It is straight gas. So many good tracks on there. Hot Performer of the Week, go in the future. From all our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant, skipthedishes.ca, and of course, Oodle Noodle. I want to say thank you to all of them for making this possible. I want to say, say thank you to Dan, Tyler, and Rick for an hour of your time. And I also thank want to you, thank you, Bag Milk. And I also <laughs> want to thank the Snowbirds for brightening our Friday <laughs> afternoon. So we're going to shut down episode 86 of Oilers Nation Radio. We are all going to rush outside and we are going to look skyward as those wait, snowbirds wait, are making wait, a tour around Edmonton. What? <laughs> I have something else I want to say, Tyler. No, you don't. <laughs> I really, I just want to say, shout out Damien. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.